we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Urgency of Change. This week's podcast is Krishnamurti in conversation with Donald Ingram Smith, entitled, What is Living, Actually? Next week we continue with Terence Stamp's reading of the classic book, Commentaries on Living. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. For more information about our activities and programmes, such as our volunteer programme at Brockwood Park in the UK, we are online at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Donald Ingram Smith was a well-known Australian Broadcasting Corporation broadcaster from Sydney. For many years he was involved with the recording of Krishnamurti's talks in Australia and India. He also hosted a radio programme on Krishnamurti. Ingram Smith first met Krishnamurti in 1949 and his memoirs of the times he spent with Krishnamurti through to his death are published in the book Creative Happiness, A Journey with J. Krishnamurti. This conversation was recorded in Ojai, California in 1980. Subjects explored include Will doubt help me to find out what truth is? Is there a listening without the word, without recognition? Thought can see itself in action. We have got many toys which absorb us. Is it possible to get rid of them? An occupied mind is always limiting itself, narrowing its activity. Krishnaji, the question I would like to go into with you is what is living? What is this miraculous process, this movement? And if I may, not on the normal pattern of, not what I would do if, if I had the time or the energy or the money or the know-how, or the capacity. Not what living would be if anything, if somehow I were different, but and not even what living could be in the future, but what is living now? Uh, as I am right now, as the world is, as any human being is, in the situation I find myself, in the position that I am, with the capacities I have or don't have, how does one come upon the fulfillment of living in the movement that is going on in one's life? I wonder what you mean by living. What, 
living not in the future or living as it should be, but what is actually living. Is that what you're asking? Yes. I, I'm asking that. I am not even... Normally we tend to think of living as doing. We say, what are you doing, meaning what have you been... How have you been living? What do you think ought to be done? What are you up to? Yes, all that. All that. I'm not quite meaning I that. I see. But what are you trying to then ask? Then I'm asking more deeply. I want to get rid of the outside from me because I've tended to think that it was outside, you know, action yes, out there. Sir, but, but then what is it you're asking, right. actually? What really is being? If we can let the living... What is, this, what is being? Is it only in the action that being is? Being is what you have been. Right? Yes? What you have been, uh, with all the experience, memories, <coughs> knowledge and so on, all that which is the past, modified in the present, is what you call being. Yes. Then I am this. But then this being that I seem to be, that I am, divides the world into me, the conscious being who sees life around me, and so there is division and duality in this, which I've, I distinguish between the outside being and, the, and my understanding of it, although my understanding of it is... <laughs> there is a duality here which I would like to be able to go into. All right. You mean you the being of you yes. and the being of the world right. are two different things. Or two My consciousness of it might be different from what it is. Your consciousness divides the thing. Right, right. It may not be that way, but our education, our, um, our various forms of dogmas, beliefs yes. and nationalism and racial prejudices yes. and so on, so on, has divided this. Yes. The world and the me. Right. And that's how I see it. That's, of course, that's how we see it, because of our conditioning. Yes. But is that a fact? Apart from our conditioning, which is also a fact. Right. But is it, is it, a rational fact or irrational division? It would seem to be an irrational division, but the fact remains that the way I see it is what I say it is. So in yes, a sense I, I make it what I... Yes, I, that is, <coughs> if one is a Arab, yes. conditioned in the whole Islamic tradition, he and the opposing, and the Jew with his tradition, with his background, with his history, in the ancient land and so on, so on, the chosen. And these two elements, uh, being human beings conditioned, are at, in clash. Yes. I'm asking you whether this clash is rational. Certainly not rational. Not rational. 
Therefore, our conditioning is irrational. Right. Yes, of course. So, and as most human beings are irrational, and that irrationality takes the form of being factual. Right. Right. So we are saying that's not factual, it's irrational. What is factual is all our human beings are not different. We all have the same anxieties, pain, and so on and so on. So we are all, we are humanity, each one. Yes, yes. Not American, Russian, uh, those are labels, but beyond the label, beyond the superficial um, nationalism and so on, we are, uh, it's, we are, the common ground of all hum- humanity is their sorrow, pain and so on. Yes, and we all have every, we, we all have totalities in ourselves anyhow. No, no. No, I meant of, of, of organistically and... Uh, organistically, organically. Organically. Organically, we are. Yes. Our brains, which have de- developed through millennia, our brains are common brains, it's not your, mine. Yeah. So, but you see, our conditioning, our education, our upbringing, all that makes for this terrible division. Which is destroying humanity. Yes. Now, Christian G, can I go into a question here, which relates to this in a way? When we are asked, when I ask this question, or any question for that matter, I see that the question is formulated by the conscious mind and by my surely, observation. Surely. But the resolution of the problem or the understanding of the problem does not lie in consciousness at the time the question is put. Uh. So the you are asking a question, yes, and you are asking. You are, you are saying, is that question put by the, by a conditioned mind? Yeah, that's right. Uh, our consciousness is conditioned, that's. and out of that conditioning, the question is put. That's right. But it's put, the question is put, at, and at the time the question is put. There is no answer in that realm. No, no. Therefore, I've all, as I've always said, the, in the question and how you approach the question yes. lies the answer. Yes, yes. Would you say? I'm, yes, but then what? The process. What is the process of approaching? Because in my consciousness, I have worked through the, the problem and discovered there's an area that I don't understand or that is not complete, and so I pose the question about that area. So my question might be, are questions really only signposts to suggest the area in which the investigation or the inquiry should take place? Yes. Surely, sir. I put a question. I generally put a question because I don't know the answer. That's right. I generally put a question because it's a problem. I generally put a question because it is troublesome, it's worrying. Yes, that's disturbing, my word. So, and my desire is 
to resolve that, because it's irritating, it is bringing discomfort, various forms of malaise. Yes. So I begin to say, what is the answer to this? So I put a question. Because of the problem, right. which has not been resolved, if it is resolved, I have no question. So the problem exists in the conscious mind. Out of that conscious mind, which has the problem, that conscious mind says, how am I to resolve this? The question is, how am I? What am I to do? What am I not to do? And so on, so on. So, is the question put because of the problem? And to get rid of it. Um, of course. Yes. Or without the problem, you are putting the question. Without the problem. You understand my question? Not quite, because I. I tell you. Yes. I put a question whether <coughs> salvation exists through one person. Right. Because I've been brought. Yes. I put that question not because I reject that or I accept it. Right. It isn't a problem to because I don't know. I don't know if there is one person who is going to save all humanity, and I don't reject. I, I don't know. Yes. So I put a question, not knowing, because it's not a problem. Quite right. But, sir, when the problem is a problem to me... Then this totally different process takes place. Yes. That is, I have a problem of faith. And you and the Eastern religion says you must have doubt. Right. Doubt is very it's like it's a very cleansing, very effective. In the Western world, faith is emphasized. So I say, look. When there is doubt, there is no faith. But faith exists because the moment you question that, the whole religious structure comes tumbling down. Right. So my pro- I put a question, what place has truth In the field where faith has been established, or will doubt help me to find out what truth is? Doubt is the question, in a sense. Yes. Yes. Doubt is always questioning it. Say, is this so? Yes. Am I deceiving myself? Am I caught in an illusion? Am I accepting some authority which I, which has no meaning? Yes. So doubt has an extraordinary cleansing effect on the brain, on the mind. Doubt is really the questioner, in a sense. The questioning, rather. Questioning. Yes. 
Yes. Now, to, to return in a sense to the question of what is living, what is it that lives? What is it that is experiencing? What is it that remembers? Is it only the, the uh, residue, the uh, record in the brain cells? Of is course. That, that's all. So, so that's why I asked at the beginning, when you put that question, what is it that we call living? Actual, not theoretical, not uh, theological, right. not uh, utopia or communist or this or the other. What is actually living for every one of us? Right. From there that, we can start. That is, that, yes. Which is a fact. Right. From the fact to fact we can move, not from theology to theology to, uh, to theories to theories. Yes. If you abolish all that, then you move from fact to fact. Right. The fact is our living is a tremendous complex turmoil. Right? That's a fact. No doubt. Every other thing is non-fact. Praying for peace. Oh yes, what do we do? This, yes, oh, oh yes. Communism, yes. social. The, yes. That they have a meaning in perhaps further on later, or no meaning at all. But this is a fact. This is the common human ground upon which every person stands. Right. Which is the daily routine, the boredom the tyranny of priests, the tyranny of gurus, tyranny of um, somebody, authority, so on, so on, and greed, envy, greed, anxiety, dependence, that's the common ground of all human beings. Right. But the question that I, I'm attempting to... What are, what are you attempting? <coughs> I, I'm a, I'm I really, I'm not exactly sure probably, but what I'm moving into, if I can, is that I notice that when I am listening and I hear the birds and the voices and the cars and I hear sounds, and then there is the question of what is listening, not so much who, but what is it that is listening, uh, not what is heard, but the state which hears. That is so you are saying. What is the act of listening? Is that it? Yes, it is. Not, not, not to the birds, not yes, to yes. music, not to a song, but the, the state of listening. The state of listening, what is that? That's what you're asking. That's what I'm really asking. What is the state of listening? Not listening to something. Yes. Not what is heard. Not what is... No distinguishing, no identification, nothing. Not, I want to understand your question. Yes. That is, I'm not listening to anything, but I want, you're asking a question, what is the state in itself of listening? Right. Is that it? What is the state of listening? This might be a wrong question which lies, for me anyhow, just below that, which is, what is the state of listening? But what is listening? What? What is what? What listens? 
Why well, that's what is coming to you. What listens? Let's go step by step to it. Which is <coughs> I heard that bird singing. I've heard it before. It has been registered in my brain. And it is a nightingale or a robin or a blackbird. And I recognize it. The recognizing process is, and the remembering process is, I've heard it before. So it is born out of previous listening, previous knowledge. And I say, yes, that's the song of the nightingale. Now, and that's simple enough. But if you is there a listening? Let me put it. Is there a listening without any object of this to which you are listening? Is that, that it? That is my question. Obviously, there is. Yes. That is, I am not listening to the nightingale. I've heard it. I know it. But I am trying to find out what is. Listening. Would you call it attention? I hear it through the ear. Yes, I. Yes. I. It is not hearing with the ear. Yes. But hearing, not to any sound. Right. But that state of hearing, which is total attention, which has not a center from which I am listening. Yes, sir. But my but in this in in me is what is it that is attending? Uh, the no, sir. Just may I understand your question. I am attend when I listen to the yes. nightingale. It's very simple. I am listening to the song, which I have known before, so I recognize it and say it is the song of that beautiful bird. Right? That's a listening. That's also listening with the ear, with memory. With remembrance and recognition and so on, all that is an act of listening also. Now we are we were asking, is there listening without the bird? Without recognition. Without recognition. Without the image of the bird, without the song, memory and so on. Of course there is. That is, I would call that, that's the actual state of listening. I listen to that man in the grove. He says, you must learn, learn the act of listening, the art of listening. Not to what is being said, that also is implied. 
but also go beyond it. That is, listen not only to your own thoughts, to your own feelings, but also, but I'm, we've gone beyond that. That's right. We say, listen to something that has no sound. Right. Is there any? Is there any thing or any? <laughs> listening to the no sound? That's why I said... Back so. to the duality question. Yeah, that's what I said. This act of listening is attention, in which, as we said the other day, there is no centre from which you are listening. From There's which no listening takes place. listener and the nightingale. Right. Right. Which means from this point to that point. Right. Only this sense of com- complete attention. It seems to be, sir, when we're, when when one is attending in this way, it seems that there is no, no, nothing attending. It seems like a void. Uh, That's there right. is that a, is a void bah- of behind course. and through. Of course. So, I don't know if you want, if you've gone into this. Our listening is always from point to point. Right. That, that's right. That's clear. Yeah. Our listening is in a periphery, uh, in a boundary mm. of movement from from me to that. Right. Or that to me. Always duality. This this process yeah. going on. I wouldn't even call it. This is the process yes, which yes. we all know. You are asking something which is, when you have, we all we are all very familiar with this. But is there a listening which is not that? Right. I say there is, which is, when the mind. Again, I will have to. When the mind is totally attending. Not my mind. It's the mind. mind. Yes, yes. Is it a kind so, of no? When you when you say my mind or the mind, I said yeah. the mind listening. Then there's no your mind or my mind. Yes. You are you are completely in attention in which there is no me or you or quite yes yes. This uh, this attention, I think can either be very partial, yes. limited, yes. and in that limited partial attention you invent, you paint, you write a poem, you literature, all that. You get but, a description of it yeah, yeah, somewhere. But we are talking of total attention, mm. which Which goes beyond uh, this so-called creativity of talent. Yes. This 
state seems to have no dimension whatsoever. Uh, of course. But you, this is, so this happens, this is a natural thing. It's not an abnormal no, no. thing. This happens when you are, when you see something extraordinarily beautiful, then you are looking at it. There is not, not you are, it's not you are looking at it, it there is that. I don't know if you let me put it that another way. When you see a mountain, the splendor of it, with snow, with deep valleys, the shadows, and the skyline, the great magnificent dignity of a mountain. When you look at it, you don't exist. You with your problems, all that. You don't, that very greatness drives away your the pettiness. But like a child, like a baby or a child, give him a toy, and he's so absorbed by it, he's he's no longer mischievous, no longer rushing about wrestling. He's absorbed by it. Same way. The mountain has absorbed me. Follow? Mm. I don't exist. It is too great. Which is, um, the toy absorbs the child, the mountain absorbs me. But the, when the mountain is there, is not there, I'm back to myself. Can we live in that state? Or ah, that's what that, I'm telling you. I'm without, without, without the mountain, or without the toy. I'm coming to that. But most of us, oh yes, have toys. All the time. National toys, racial toys, um, belie- toys of belief in God. Belief. Toy. We have great many toys. Political toys every day in uh, the news. Great many toys, which. Absorb us from our trouble, from our problem. Now, can our, can our, can each human being, can every human being, not be absorbed by all this? That really so, is the question. And so faces himself. Yes. And see what he is, and the very seeing of what he is will change what is. So we have to go through the limitation. There's not much point in talking about the... the or putting this... In the, is it possible to live in the, in the state of not knowing or of... No. And only come out when needed? No, when a no, no. Challenge? No. You're putting, that makes duality and yes, all kinds of trouble. Yes. So just take this simile. The, child with a toy. The toy, if it is pleasant and all that, absorbs the child. And we have got great many toys which prevent us from observing what is happening to us, what is taking place in us. Right? All entertainment is this. Forget yourself, and you go to the football field, and you make a lot of noise and all, etc. It's the same with war. Your responsibility 
all that is taken over by the Germans. So, as we have got so many toys which absorb us, we are scattered of. Is it possible, first of all, to get rid of all the toys? That is the question. Not one or two, yeah. but the total. The process all the of, toys. of the process of. Which means, who is the toy maker? You follow? Yes. Who is the observer then? Yeah. Who is the toy maker? Yes. The toy maker is thought. Thought which is in itself incomplete, sequential, and all the rest of which is knowledge being incomplete always. Thought born comes out of knowledge, experience, memory. That thought being incomplete creates all the toys. So to be free of toys means to be free, uh, to know the limitation of thought. Is it more important, is the, uh, not more, is the thing to do see the limitation of thought rather than to seek the whole state? No. If I know the limitation of thought, then I won't make toys. I know that's illusion. The limitation of thought <clears throat> in technology, in all the worldly business, there you see the limitation. Yeah. And our so our life directed, controlled. Mm-mm, by thought is limited, fragmentary, broken up. And these fragments are fighting each other. Yes. The struggle, the conflict, you and I, and I am a Jew, you are an Arab, you are Indian, I am an Australian, I am this, I am that. It's this constant battle. And the struggle inside as well as that. Yeah, of course, inside, yeah. outside, everywhere. Yeah. So, we are saying, Thought has its right place in the technological world, but thought psychologically has no place whatsoever. Right. Because moment when thought creates the image of me as being uh, German, it must naturally be opposed to other non-Germans, or non-this, non-that. Why do we not learn directly from others? From? From others or from life. Why don't we learn directly? What prevents the human being from instantly... Immediately Immediately, instantly, directly. uh, Look what is happening. The Indian mind, the Hindu mind, has been conditioned for 5,000 years. 3,000, 5,000, 4,000. The Christian mind has been conditioned for 2,000 years. 
systematically, very, very carefully, in an ordinary, or in, in, in good order. Yes. Regular. Huh? Regularly. Regular. Systematically it has been conditioned for 2,000 years. One saviour and nobody else. Yes. In India it has been conditioned that God is the supreme or the highest principle is in every man. You have to find your own truth and, and they have their own conditioning. And this conditioning says, I must go to do this. It sets its own goal. Huh? It sets its own goal and objective because it's conditioned. It, that's yeah. finished now. Yes. But you wiped away that, the tradition of right. 2,000 years, if you have, but you have fallen into another. Yes, of course. The gurus, the, uh, the psychologists, the other traps. But what we are saying, if you see this conditioning of 2,000 or 5,000, the nature of it, why the mind is conditioned, because it is in that condition there is safety, security, certainty, no confusion, but it creates such havoc in the world. But once you see the nature, structure of conditioning, you don't drop into another. The other day, after one of the talks, a boy came up to me and he said, Sir, I am free of the tyranny of all gurus. I hope it was true. I mean. Why then is it that we are not what prevents the awareness of the limitation? Because there's a tendency to look for the other and not be aware yeah, of the course, immediate. Course. We look That's for the eternal and the, the ephemeral so, disappears. Yeah. That's one of the most difficult problems for Savuchis. Can thought be aware of its own movement? Can it, sir? That's what you're asking. That's the question you're asking. Yes. I see, of course. Not thought observing thought. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes you're thought aware of, its of, itself. of itself. How it begins, how it moves. You can, you yes. can observe. I, do, I sometimes do experiment in a sense with this, you play with it. You can see. So, just a minute. You can see very clearly, observe very clearly, the origin of greed. Right. Oh, yes. You can see that happening. Oh, the origin, the oh. beginning and the end of it. Right? Of the whole of greed or... The whole of greed. Yes. How it begins with desire yes. and so on, so on, so on. What desire? You can see the whole movement, if you are alert, watchful, the whole movement and the nature of greed at one glance. That is, to have an insight into the movement of greed.
is this actually awareness because the insight into the whole movement the whole movement is there inherently all the time the whole movement is inherently there not inherently I won't say the, the yeah. whole movement is there unless you are totally free of it of course aha I won't use the word inherent. I hear that too, yes. That leads to other questioning. So, can we are asking, sir, can thought, knowledge, you follow? Yes. Knowledge which has been acquired through experience and memory, Hmm? Yes, yes, yes. And thought. Now, just show you something. I remember getting hurt. Yes. Physically or psychologically, I remember it. And I'm not aware, thought, of watching. That hurt comes out. Yes. As memory. It's all imme not immediate, rapid. We are slowing it down to observe it. Yes. But it's so rapid. And when it's cleaning one's teeth, suddenly there is the remembrance of somebody saying some hurtful thing, and there begins the thought begins. That the very remembering of that uh, of that statement, hmm, which was hurtful, harmful, there the remembrance itself is the movement of thought. Of course. So you can watch it. You can be. You can see the movement begin and go on. Not you can. There's Attention! If you are aware, the thing moves. You and know. you just observe it. Uh, no, I not you observe it. We are saying, can thought be aware of itself? Of course, it can. You say not. You are aware of thought beginning, because you are the result of thought. You are the result of your conditioning, of your uh, experiences, of your pleasures, of your fears, of your sexual memories, this, that, and you are that. Does thought go on in this awareness movement, does thought? No. If, if one is, a, sir, take a very simple example like greed, though it's complex but it's simple, in the sense you can see, you see something in the, wind, in the shop, the reaction to that thing which you have seen, a shirt, a robe, and the image, thought making the image of you, putting on that shirt, how nice it looks, and 
greed begins. You go into the shop and buy it. That is, if you need it, it is one thing. But if you say, I've got hundred shirts and, hmm? <coughs> and so on. So, greed, you can observe this movement very simply. Aren't you? Yes. That's very simple. So we are saying, thought can observe itself in action. In action, not say, well, thought I'll observe, thought, I'm questioning whether thought can see itself. Of course, that's looking silly. But you can see in action the operation of thought. Thought can see itself in action. Yes. It seems then not to persist, though. Hmm? The thought then does seems not to. It seems to run and run down in the object. Sir, look, sir. See, our mind is so occupied with daily routine, with oh, problems, with I must go and cook, I must wash up. Um, it's occupied. All the time. I make up occupations in the morning. What am I doing? No, of course, of course. It's occupied. Yes. What am I to do? What am I? And so on. It's occupied. So there is no space. That is, if I'm not occupied, the mind gets frightened, the brain gets frightened. It's because in occupation it is safe, it's secure. But moment when it's not occupied, it wants to be occupied with something. Turn on the television, read a book, or talking, all that goes on. So the brain itself has has come to that uh, state where it feels secure in occupation. So. This constant occupation makes the mind and brain rather heavy, dull, there's nothing new. No space for it. Of course, that's very simple. But we are, sorry. Huh? we are afraid of, of, there's a, of idleness, we think that it ought to be occupied. There's, if you're idle and doing, just watching the day... That's another, you follow? That's yeah. another form of... I'm not watching, I'm not cooking, I'm not washing up dishes, I'm not uh, driving I'm a car, idling. going to my office, but I'm watching the sun or the birds. But it's also another occupation. So, uh, we're asking, can the brain, can thought really, see the, what it is doing, being occupied, occupied, and in that occupation the brain feels safe, secure, and so it doesn't doubt, it has faith, it, is, it says God is, God is not, in all that is... And we are saying 
such an occupied mind is always limiting itself, narrowing its own activity. And in this narrow activity it feels completely secure. And it doesn't want to be disturbed. You come along and say, what you are occupied with is illusion or nonsense, there is no meaning. I reject you, because I am a bit disturbing, I don't, but you have sown the seed. I am always saying, by choice, that so. You follow? You have sown the seed of doubt. And I begin to worry or say, I throw you out, but the thing goes on unconsciously, deeply, because what you have said is some, as a quality of integrity, of some kind of, it's a law. So that's beginning to worry me. And I say, my God, what am I to do? So I go to my priest or somebody and say, please help me, I'm uncertain, I'm, my actions are neurotic and all the rest of it. But if, when you refuse to go to anyone? Yeah, and you don't move and say, yes, I'm going to examine my, my limitation, the limitation which thought has created, which is my national all that, out, finished. Which means I um, the mind is willing to move out of its narrow groove. One it sees the necessity of moving out of a particular groove. Its own groove. Huh? Its own its own groove, of course. Yes. Its own self created groove, which it thinks it's different. That groove is the human groove. Of course, sir. that's what what you call, what one calls living. We come back to that, which is what we call living, is this narrow, limited, fragmentary conflicting life of every day. And that's not living. That's like when one gets used to war, fighting, fighting, shooting off cannons and all that, we say that's natural. Then what is living? Not this. Right. It's only indication then. When you know this is not living, then that ends. Then you you begin to live. Not you being, there is yes. living. Mm-hmm.